Hey everyone, welcome back to a mini episode of the Girlish Podcast. Uh, I've been wanting to do this for a very, very long time. I've been wanting to have this interview for a very, very long time. Unfortunately, Gage is not with me today, but in place of her, I have a very, very special person that I wanted to introduce everyone with and to have a really great conversation with. We have a long history and this is going to be a really cool episode. I would like to introduce um, my childhood best friend, a really close person to me, Artie. Hello, everyone. It's me. I'm Artie. <laughs> go by Bay She. And it's been a minute, Olivia. I know. It's been a very long time. Um, we So to have some context, I really wanted to like um, have this episode because we have a very interesting story. I mean, we both w- grew up in like... We... <sighs> So we were like childhood best friends and like we were like super, super close, like inseparable, I feel like. Um, And I ended up moving around like sixth grade and um, we kind of lost touch for a little bit. And then all these years later, we come back together and we both find out we've had some sort of similar paths within life. And um, and our like our quest for discovery of our gender identity and stuff. So I think it's I think it was I thought I don't know. I think it's really cool. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know if, if there's anything you want to add, like, who oh are God. you? What, what are you up to? Yeah. How are things going? So I guess we can, I guess, okay. Olivia's being very modest, but we grew up <laughs> in the sticks, in the boonies, <laughs> our hometown. Literally, yeah. I think it's less than 20. I think it's hovers around 2,500 people. Do you remember where the memorial is in the center of downtown Edgefield? The courthouse is in front. The memorial is there. So go up in the opposite direction, the courthouse. If you keep going up straight, you know how eventually you'll hit a fork? One on the right side. Yes. Is it like getting close to the Catholic Church? No one knows what we're talking yes. about, but we okay, whatever. Know what, okay, what I'm trying to get is there is... close to the Catholic Church? Yes, yes. The reason this is important is because in that large white house, that I think is technically a historical monument, one of the letters, for they drafted one of the letters for seceding, for South Carolina seceding that house. And I bring that up to give you an understanding of where we're from. Yes, one of the letters for drafting from, for seceding for the United States was drafted in that house. Don't fact check me on this. Yeah, I don't great Edgefield County. <laughs> but true, we had like five senators come from Edgefield County. It's such a small town though. Johnson was where we're from. It's like mm-hmm. super, super small, 2,500 people. Both of our parents, so we, the reason we were so close growing up our parents like essentially were coworkers adjacent. Mm-hmm. Um, both of our like both of our dads worked within the the farm, um, and so the peaches because um, that town is super known for its peaches. I'm pretty sure Johnson has more peaches the entire than the entire state of Georgia, or You're something so- like that. Okay, it has so. more peaches per capita than any other town in the United States. And that's okay, why so I'm wrong. The town. Okay, but you're not wrong. We are serving peaches. We are peaches. <laughs> right. We're, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, we, we both grew up with um, parents working in the peaches. And, um, yeah, and so we kind of had that mutual, like, being um, Mexicans in um, the <laughs> absolute worst area of just redneck um Truly, yeah. That's so. That's kind of like our our situation. I think you were like maybe one of the only Mexican families that I wasn't related to in Johnson at the time. I, I know more. Were... Ended up. 
<laughs> I was, yeah, I was, I, my family truly was everywhere. Um, but yeah, so we ended up being super close. We were like um, in a ton of different classes together. Um, we were also and, neighbors, which yeah. I feel like is important to mention. We lived right down the road. Yeah. But down we, the Yeah, it was like super, super close. But yeah, like down the road in the country is like, I live three miles away from you. <laughs> I mean, it was probably like a mile difference. I mean, not even, like probably like, yeah. It wasn't you would too bad. But we were sometimes? Oh my God, I forgot that. My dad had a golf cart. Like yes. I, I used to go visit during summer, so... So my dad had a had a golf cart, and I would I would go visit. Yeah, but our I feel like our we were giving very Romeo Juliet type style of like our families maybe kind of butted heads every once in a while, kind of secretly were like really great friends, and um, there was kind of that 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 feeling of like almost like a forbidden friendship. I don't know if you felt that way growing up. Oh yeah, our parents did um, not like each other flat out. Well, our moms did. Actually, I remember very clearly the, the very last time I saw you before you moved away. Do you remember really? that? I do. It's really burned into my mind. Um, I remember being at your house, mm-hmm. and I remember skateboarding. I don't remember if that was the last time I saw you, like before moving. Was that? Okay, or... I, I remember. I don't. This. I don't remember. In my Romeo and Juliet mind, um, also <laughs> SJ was in there. He's also now married. Crazy. Um, crazy oh, i know we're so early. i know um you came it was the last time because you know we used to carpool too we forgot to mention this because my mom would pick us all up do you remember this it's been so long but i, I vaguely i do remember because it's even more intertwined we were in the same grade and then our older brothers were also in the same grade and then our older sisters were also in the same grade so we would just carpool sometimes that's crazy the very last time I saw you, I remember this because I was so jealous. I remember this because, you know, you had a GameCube. I remember this so clearly. And we had the PS1, I think, and PS1 at that time. I remember it was a, it was a big celebration because you were going away. And we went and got Pizza Hut from Edgefield. And, you know, Pizza Hut was, like, the only thing that was decent in town. Yeah, it was still, like, a 15-minute drive, too. It wasn't close. It was not close. And my mom was, like, our moms were, like, you know what? We'll get pizza for y'all. Y'all can, like, spend, the, like, the night together. And we just stayed up playing video games. I wish I remember what video games we played. I remember you were still very good at video. I was quite bad at video games back then. Like, it doesn't help that our older I like brother. I was bad. I remember we going to play Mortal Kombat over at your house. Yes. I feel like that was something we I used to do. Yeah, I also I think about the things that I did, and I'm super embarrassed by. And I guess right now is the time to air it out because it's been so long. So the I remember we we both were like into like Yu Gi Oh, Pokemon, Beyblades. You guys had so many Beyblades. I remember doing all of that stuff. I remember you guys having like this this like Yu Gi Oh card, um, like a bunch of Yu Gi Oh cards, and you had like a little booklet because when you bought. When you bought Yu-Gi-Oh cards, it comes with like a little booklet to like open up, and it has like the, the rules to Yu-Gi-Oh and like the like where to set down the cards. And I remember as a kid, I remember I, I wanted it, and you had it, and we had I think we had some at our house, but for some reason I was infatuated with this booklet, and I wanted it, and I asked, and you guys said no, and I was like, no, I want it, and I, I don't even I probably was like maybe six or seven. I feel like I wasn't that like I wasn't old, but I wasn't young. So I took it, and then my mom saw that I took it, and she was like, "You have to get your ass in there right now, and then give it back to them." So I had to embarrassingly like knock on your door and then give your mom back this booklet. 
And so I remember I always like think about that time and I always get really sad because I'm like, I can't believe I did that. Like, that's probably like the worst thing I've ever done. It, did you, I don't I have no memory of this. Thank God, because I've been like, this has been eating away at me for years. Oh my God. <laughs> I have no, it's you been, know what? Yeah. I would have said, good job, honestly, steal. Because it wasn't mine. It was probably my brother's. So I wasn't <laughs> going to say shit. We were, we were really close. Like genuinely, like, I feel like we had similar, I mean, I mean, our parents were both working within the peaches. We were both people of color, you know, going to school in a town that wasn't super friendly to like, like Hispanic people, black people. Um, I feel like Johnson's very, very like African-American. Like there's a large population. Mm -hmm. I feel like our school had a large population, but like even in the South, even with that, like you get like the worst people. I remember my brother dating a girl and like, he went over to her house and her grandfather was like so mad that like he was dating or she was dating a Mexican, but um, that's the kind of the area we lived in. And so we grew up really close, but during sixth grade, I officially um, moved away. My family divorced, my mom and dad divorced mm-hmm. and um, my mom wanted to be closer with her sisters and her family. My family's from Florida. So uh, we ended up moving to Florida where I ended up going to sixth grade and living there um, for the rest of like my life. I'm, I live in Washington now, but, um, yeah, so I lived in Florida. So we kind of separated. So, and at the time we like cell phones were kind of a thing, not really, there wasn't really social media, not until a few years later. We were also really young and we we were not going to get a phone on our own. Right. And so there was like, there was a lot of like, I mean, there are a lot of factors that we didn't really get to stay in touch over the years, I would go visit my dad during the summer, and I might have made a cameo, like a pop-up here and there at your place to say mm-hmm. hi on my golf cart. So, yeah, so we ended up kind of losing touch. But after all these years, um, I ended up coming out as trans later in life, you know. Um, it's been a very, like, intense journey for me. Um, and, you know, I've always struggled with my gender identity, even as a kid. It was something that I had to bottle up. And um, I wasn't able to ever express. And it truly was something that like um, really affected me because we were in such a crazy place that I could never be me. Our family is very Mexican, Catholic Mexicans. There's a lot of like embedded ideologies into who we need to be as people, you know, as, you know, machismo type stuff. And it, it is really sad that I feel like I was never able to express myself. But after all these years, I ended up coming out and then come to find out you <laughs> similar path of sorts. Like, <laughs> like what's your journey? How did like that come about? Oh um, yeah, I think about, um, I think what's also really important in the mix, which Olivia knows this. Um, I also have a twin sister, um, Monica. Oh yeah. Which, which is great because you talk about gender. We it's stand. like, we stand, we stand Monica. We have to. Um, a legend, an icon, an ally. Um, um, because like Olivia mentioned, I had like someone who was growing up at the exact same time we made all points as a reference point for like a lot of things, but particularly like gender expression and treatment and, you know, me always being more interested in what she was doing than what I was doing. I remember there's this memory burning to my mind of me, Monica was actually helping me try on a dress. I can't remember if it was her dress or my mom's dress. I remember the dress was green and it was beautiful. 
and I was in my mom's bathroom trying on this dress, and then my mom came home early and found us and, like, lost her shit about this. Because I think I must have been probably around eight at that time or nine. But I was a little bit older. Like, I was like, no, this is it. This is the moment. Like, I want to try on this green dress. <laughs> um, I don't even know if they remember that memory. They got to block it out, probably. Probably have. Um, but in terms of gender identity, I think I... Came out as non-binary in what year would have been 2018, I think. And I think it was a comfortable label. And in some ways, I still have some type of um, comfort under that label. Um, I think of it more as just like a very useful understand, like, you know, as, as the day she's go, womanhood, you know, cis womanhood is not my end goal it's not my game it's not my jam good for good for them don't want it um, and then decided to come out as trans probably 20 2020 but didn't start acting on until 2021 actually trying to think about it more critically and then i chose to start hormones april 2nd oh i love that i started mine may 20th so Definitely a month apart, but I, I started mind um, twenty sixteen a certain hormone replacement therapy. Mm-hmm. But it is crazy because it was after all these years we both end up being trans, like best <laughs> friends, like super close, and like it sucks because like, like why did like it's just crazy to me. I'm just like mind blown by that fact. Like we would have been too. Um, it's something we that like we, could you imagine if we like if I stayed in South Carolina and like we like grew up together? Like I wonder what that life would have been like i remember growing up like i like super looked up to you because you were like the smart one with like the best grades and i was just like so intimidated because i was like i was like i feel like i was i don't know i was just like you're so smart and then ended up being a yale graduate um you ended up kind of going through that experience of after Mm -hmm. um, you know high school you ended up being getting accepted into Yale how was that how was it as someone who um was kind of like going through the motions of their gender expression and their gender identity their their feelings what was that like for you oh Jesus um let me think because I, I I felt like when I moved out I was kind of able to I don't know if you felt this way. I was able to really step back and see the world from a more like broad perspective um just getting mm-hmm. out of like the small town and I think that's, you know, I ended up, I moved out because I wanted to transition, but then being able to surround myself with a community of people that mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, like I can relate to, they kind of helped me, guide me through the toughest process. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you had a similar situation. I did. Um, I knew I wanted to go far away. Um, I think it, you know, it happened to be all this time around, but I think I would have liked to have gone just far away in general. I felt like I needed to go far away. Um, BT Dubs, Yale University and Yale College will not be seen heaven. They will be in hell. I will assure that. I will. <laughs> I will um, for their treatment of people and many, many things. Um, I think, you know, I think graduating when I was, my last year in high school, I felt very, I mean, I have a lot of respect for small towns and I stand small towns and I have a deep love for the South and will defend the South. But I think in that moment, I knew that I needed to experience something else to better appreciate where I was coming from slash just 
yeah, there's nothing wrong with leaving. So I left. Right. Um, happened to be that I chose a school that was very fortunate to find um, a very queer community of color, particularly queer community of color that was also low income and first gen, like I was, um, like we were. So I remember I, first met, I met like my first trans um, person, like literally day one of the university during the summer. Lane Till, if you're out there, homie. Um, they were the first ones <laughs> to introduce me to yeah. a lot of things, um, trans things, and yeah, many others in the community. So, and I think at least at that time, all of us had these thoughts of, I want to do X, Y, and Z, or I've always thought about X, Y, and Z, but I've never been able to express or act or even like who to talk with them about, right? Yeah. Uh, so I was really able to delve into that and get that, both like in an academic sense, but also just like community and that extended even after college just learning what queer community can look like in a lot of different ways so yes move out it's great I suggest it it doesn't have to be permanent it can also be permanent whatever you think is best for you yeah my younger sisters recently graduated high school and like I like I I, right like the the eldest one of my younger sisters Uh she um she graduated high school and like the advice I gave her was like leave like go as far as you can. I mean, not as far as you can, but like go to somewhere that's not in South Carolina. Like experience what it's like. But um, yeah. So I was like recommending that to her. But yeah, as soon as I moved out, it was a complete different world. Like I met my first trans person that wasn't me when I was like, like nineteen. Like I was. It was crazy because like I didn't get that experience. Um, and I'm not necessarily from in Florida. I'm not necessarily from a smaller town. Um, mm-hmm. I lived in Fort Myers, Florida, like the or the the suburbs of Fort Myers, Florida. I get that's not really the suburbs; it's the poor area outside of Fort Myers. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I'm like suburbs sounds so luxurious. Like I, I like we lived in such a <laughs> shitty house, but um, it was home. And um, we, uh, I grew up like around a community of people, diverse but truly not open minded. Um, I'm starting to see now there being a, a prominent queer community in my hometown. But before there wasn't anyone, so I wasn't. It wasn't until nineteen, I actually first like met my a trans person, and I got started getting um, into like queer communities and really exploring myself more, getting comforted by mm-hmm. others around me with similar experiences. I was a part of a group at the University of Florida. I didn't go to UF. I went to the community college, but I still was a part of a group there called uh, Queer Trans People of Color. So mm-hmm. specifically hearing people like for the first time say their stories that were exactly like mine. Like I remember being on like a Latinx panel. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Latinx, how do you feel about that term? <laughs> I think it's such a useless term. I, I, I yeah. I mean, I, like, I go back and forth. Right. So, I mean, I've said it like for the past like few years, but then I like start hearing, like, I don't know. I like sat down and think about it. And I'm like, I think there's just, I don't think it really does much. I agree. <laughs> I don't think it puts a terrible understanding of race and ethnicity on a global on a global scale, and we just we just do a terrible job at it. We do a terrible job in the United States of America reducing it. There was someone who said that the term Latinx has been pushed now to. I mean, I think. I mean, obviously, Latinx has like often been used in a very anti-black way to be like the white Latinx or just specifically non-black Latinx, mm-hmm. right? Um, language wise, 
I know there's also been more movement for the Latine, the ease at the end of yeah. things with the accents. Um, I think it's hard to come up with language that can be all inclusive, but also language doesn't have to be inclusive sometimes, which is, I think, the biggest issue of trying to condense multitudes of experiences racially, ethnically, every which way. So it's, we should have more options as opposed to trying to condense the options. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I can, yeah, I definitely see that. I know I've been hearing Latina as well. And um, I definitely, I, I prefer probably that term if I had to choose over Latin uh, Latinx. And yeah, I think there's there, like you said, there's like a whiteness about it that kind of feels like, I mean, I've heard arguments saying that like the whole like X isn't really involved in the Spanish language like that in the way that it's been very Americanized in like that, that term. We're on a little tangent here, but. A little tangent, um, which I push back against, but I'm also like, it's hard to, I'm like, this is the, not that this isn't the priority I have, but I'm also like, a lot of it stems from people also, let me think, let me think about this, how did I not say something? <laughs> no, literally me every day, like. Again, I think many people don't have a good racial or ethnic understanding of themselves, so it's hard to use terms that also are not particularly useful terms. Like, I don't particularly see anything wrong with using very particular language or very specific language for, like, if you want, like, I'm not a specialist on this is all I'm going to say. You know, let me say that. Right, yeah, am I going to no, speak I I'm not qualified to speak on this subject, but I will say that <laughs> as someone who works in an industry where I have to do intakes a lot, um, I currently work as a paralegal at, at a nonprofit and I do a lot of intakes. And one of the questions that we do is around race. And I think it's really, it's very telling how you ask people about their race or ethnicity, what they respond. I mean, we could, I do probably like, you know, 20 intakes a week maybe for different things. And I have to ask people like, what is your race? What is your ethnicity? And the way that it just, it just fumbles people up. Yeah. It's, I mean, what are the options? Yeah. No, what are the options that I'm like, once I tell you the options, you're going to pick one, but I don't even know if the one you picked is actually the right one. There's, I mean, there's like, so many like embedded in like race was a made up term that was invented like invented literally to just this in in its sole purpose to segregate people like that's like the origin of like race especially within america like and the way that they calculate like create censuses um or census for like different races was all in order to like separate people that's why hispanics um well i guess latin people uh, or latinos sorry but I guess that's why they are considered white within because there's like this history of like, yeah, there's a long history messy. with, um, yeah, it's truly messy. And so I always find it frustrating when like there, like there's race options and I like, I don't know what to put like, cause I, I don't necessarily, I didn't grow up with a white experience. Like I definitely don't feel like I'm white. Like I feel like maybe I'm, I'm more white passing, but um. I don't necessarily like feel that in, in that way with like my familial ties, the way that I grew up culturally, the way that I still view things. I feel like I'm very tied with my Mexican roots. I might not speak Spanish the best, but I, I do feel a connection with it. And so like, I, I just don't feel that like whiteness. And so I, I do get a little frustrated that there's like, that just is super limiting in terms of like language. Like that's why language is so weird. And like, and like the, we try and classify things that I feel like don't need classifications and, 
um, I think it only what it does is like further separates us as a as people. I don't know. I think the government needs less information on us. Period. Um, <laughs> like genuinely, yeah. Genuinely, I'm like again. Part of this is also like you mentioned, like the efficacy of just collecting information on people and monitoring people. And I'm like, you don't need to know anything about me, actually. <laughs> but no, you know what I was also thinking about earlier today. Um, both of us have very create had creative pursuits still do obviously yeah and the concept it is, it, of navigating creative pursuits under our current capitalism yeah like genuinely i i mean i, I after school i went to school for um my undergrad was in like diversity studies because i wanted to like kind of get something that i like had a lived experience in um but for the past like these several years you know i've been working as in a creative field um, within like video production and, and things like that. I've always had a creative bone. I have a guitar behind me. Like I've always felt that the connection with the arts and I think that's like super cool. And, um, and I know you ended up getting into like writing and um, that was kind of like, like your passion. And um, we've, <laughs> we both fell into like that. Like we definitely, we grew up with a lot of similarities and it's, it's really cool to see how I don't know, like, we just both ended up, you know, growing in different directions, but, like, have stayed so similar after all these years. Because, like, who? what are the odds that, like, two friends growing up, disconnecting for years, end up both being trans? Like, that's <laughs> insane. Like, that doesn't happen every day, you know? It's great. In fact, um, I think about it right now, as, you know, being trans in the United States of America is... Really, really, really terrifying some days, especially for yeah. younger trans people, especially those who are minors. I, I, it's terrible how much I feel lucky to not be under 18 these days sometimes for terrible reasons. Mm-hmm. My, I started hormone replacement therapy in Florida with Medicaid and now Medicaid, you can't get through Medicaid, Florida Medicaid, you can't cover hormone replacement <laughs> therapy. And that's how I started. And yeah. so I think to the kids who are all in this gender clinic, um, unable to get treatment. Um, the gender clinic that I went to, I went to a pediatric gen- gender clinic. And I think about all the kids that, you know, have like waitlisted in that place, like unable to get the resources anymore. So I like, it's, I'm, I'm so scared. I'm so scared for the youth because my, like my experience is going to be completely different than theirs, but I'm also scared for the future of hormonal, like just like hormones, like um, healthcare and um <laughs> Just for like the, our future, like selves, like who knows mm-hmm. what the South is gonna do next in terms of, they just want to stop our existence from happening. You know how there's a running joke about like I'm a queer elder, I'm 27, you know, or shit like that. <laughs> right. Um, you know, a lot of the time I think about you know the myth of like, obviously, trans people, particularly trans people, um, particularly trans Black people, we've seen like how more likely to experience crimes, have shorter lifespans, you know, like all the terrible things that come sometimes that we see with these statistics. Um, but it is kind of, actually, I remember this very clear. And I need to be very careful about these stats because they might be outdated and it might have been done on wonky measures. But I remember in Pittsburgh, I should have known I was trans way back then. But, you know, the thing <laughs> that we don't think about, I think it was 2017, summer 2017. And I remember I really wanted to work with the queer community and reporting I know it was queer, but I didn't know I was trans at the time or didn't have feel like that was an identity for myself. But I really just wanted to reach out to trans people to interview for stories all the time. And I actually did. I was able to write one, I remember. 
um, working with some really nice trans activists in the community in Pittsburgh. But I remember, you know, five years ago, they were talking about how they felt so old at 35. And I was like, oh my God, how do you feel so old at 35? And I think about part of the anatomy connect dots was just, I think anti-trans legislation makes an urgency of transitioning sometimes. Like I think about, or the fear of that stuff, for example, like even when I was starting my journey, I remember in the back of my mind thinking like, I need to do this before things change. Um, and I'm like, I'm 20 fucking five. Why do I feel so stressed about this? Like, I feel like yeah. I have to do this now before the current system changes and I'm not able to, or something happens, which, you know, North Carolina as it stands has, you know, has the bathroom bill under its belt, you know, the good old H2B bathroom bill or the, or the originals for that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> um, so, I mean, just this year I was doing a, a presentation for trans rights in my workplace. And I think 238 anti-trans, anti-queer, anti-trans legislation, roughly half of those 120 ish were targeted towards trans um, people, whether it, could, it was everything from like blocking, from preventing or permitting hormone blockers for minors to like bathroom bills to just like sports things. Like the bills are there. People are most definitely actively trying to. It's it's definitely scary looking, I don't know, at the future of things. And I'm I'm definitely concerned. There's that there is that concern that that lingers in me. I mean, I'm super it's been weighing on me a lot where, especially after hearing the Florida Medicaid thing, like that would have affected me. And I'm, you know, I'm so happy at the, the, how much the community has grown since coming out. I do feel like an elder. Like, I feel like whenever I came out, there was no representation and now there's so much, but I feel like with the representation, I'm also, it's like also coming with a bunch of backlash. So the more people are out and proud, I've been seeing an increase in like backlash before people, I felt like, we were very rare. No one really knew we existed. And now that there's like more of a movement, which is great, the push, like a push for um, mm-hmm. more diversity and more acceptance and inclusion, I feel like there's been like a big pushback. And that pushback has a lot of power. And like, that's what's scary. And so mm-hmm. I've been super depressed about this because um, it definitely hurts. It hurts knowing that like my kid is going to grow up possibly in an environment that might be less accepting to them than it was to me growing up. Mm-hmm. So I found out I can might, I might be able to get a dual citizenship to Mexico. Not that Mexico probably is that much better, but yeah. you know, it's an option. It's an option. We should, we can start working on those applications pretty soon. I also have thoughts on this. Um, well, we still can because we're <laughs> eligible for a while. Um, yeah. Isn't it be, if our, our parents are, at least one of our parents born mm-hmm. in mexico yep so i just uh, have to get my dad to a consulate yeah um, <laughs> a consulate um but speaking of, of that i think about i mean i think you're right i think it's actually funny i just i just spent like a couple of hours yesterday or t- i think it was two weeks ago just going on youtube and looking up trans history um which i want to say there's a youtube video called star s-t-a-r um which has Really great videos, little educational videos. It wasn't uh, Star the name of the, the collective was. in New York with uh, Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera. Yes, the uh, icons. Icons. What is it? 
I know, I know transsexual alliance. <laughs> the middle part sounds so terrible. Um, um, hold up. Star. It's the Street Transvestites Action Revolutionaries, which, yeah, I mean, we don't, obviously, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dead, not a dead subject, but we beat it dead, you know. The co-option of, like, queer liberation and trans history by, like, capitalism and really large orgs and people really just, really just nosedived, really just, you know, I'm like, I don't want a trans senator. I want trans freedom. Please, I beg of you people. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, a part of me feels bad because I'm like, I hate all the attention trans people are getting. Like, I wish there were less of us because I just like want people to ignore us like they did before. And now that there's so much attention, like, it's so shitty to think that way or feel that way. But I'm like, please, like, I just want, I want to be accepted in the community, obviously. But like, in terms of like, what's happening now, I'm just like, I just want people just to like, forget we existed and we can have our like little rights obviously we, we deserve more than that and but it's scary seeing the direction we're going in and i'm just like i don't know i'm just home like i'm holding on to what i have now and like i i do i don't know there's a part of me that's just like super terrified mm-hmm. so um i hope that you know we can get to a place where we are more accepted and um i do feel like there's a public push there's a bunch of like like the public and i feel like the like there's a large like large population that do support trans people but for some reason the politics are so controlled by christian fascists that like it's yeah. hard um anyways that was a, that was a big tangent <laughs> um, but, but i'm happy we had it though i think i think that's an important thing to talk about mm-hmm. like especially like language and 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 all this because you know um i just i, I still find it so fascinating that like you know we've had similar similar backgrounds and um how was your family when it was to coming out like mm-hmm. was that like a crazy thing are you still sort of like on the low about it is it something that like has there been like a good because i want to yeah my family was a lot <laughs> i think i obviously waited until i was 20 so came out to my sister's non-binary in 20 Okay, so let me think. Let me let me go let me go through all the coming outs. Came out to my sister. Um my twin sister. Love Monica. Love Monica. She's a she's a legend, y'all. Um she's a heterosexual, which is so disappointing, but whatever. Um, <laughs> she's great. Rip. Um she I came out I remember this. I came out to my older sister the day after the pulse shooting, because I had been going to gay gay clubs in Europe and I was like, fuck it, if I end up dead, I want someone to know why I was at a gay club. Uh, so I called her, my older sister, and then I told my older brother, which was a terrible idea at the time. He was not receptive. Um, not like in a disparaging way. I was just like, he's a man. Why did I think I would get support from him? And then I called my older sister in that winter of 2017. And she was upset because she was the last one to know. And then I learned, okay, now that I've done this trial run, I'm going to reverse the order and go from twin sister to older sister then to brother. I was like testing out the different orders to come out to. So that was 2017. So I know I was queer since that, since 2017. 2019, I came out to my sister as non-binary. In the winter of 20, sorry, in 2018, I came out to my sister, my twin sister. And then 2018 in the winter, 
I came out to my parents as queer because I was like, look, I'm getting this degree. I only have one semester left. I can figure it out in case things go south, which I knew they were going to be receptive, just probably like a little weird about it. My mom thought I was a whore, which she guessed correctly, but she didn't need to guess that. <laughs> she like, came out there and she was like, are you using protection? I was like, mom. The answer is somewhat, you know, risky. I, I love that though. I was like, no, why would you assume I'm a whore? Why would you guess? Why would you say something so true? Um, um, <laughs> but do use protection, get tested regularly, talk to your doctor and providers about it. Highly recommend looking up uh, any type of way that you can get free medication shipped to your door. I am a stand for that. Um, Reach me. Um, please. Um, and then I came out to my older, my twin sister is trans in 2021. She was receptive to it. She had questions. My twin sister was the, she was the ally that's like, his pronouns are they, them, you know, like, like defending you. And I'm like, I love you, sweetie. You're so close, but so far, you know, like would fight for like, me. Almost. I just like, just almost there, you know? Right. And I'm like, okay, but the heart of heart is there. So like, Good. And then I came out to my siblings as trans in the summer of 2021. And then I came out to my parents. Okay, this is actually a running joke. You saw this on Twitter, I'm pretty sure. But this is just to give an understanding of, like, I think I was fortunate that I came out a lot older. Just, as you know, there's a lot of security in coming out at a place where you have financial stability, you have your own resources, you have a community, you're not, the, you have a chosen family. Like, there's a lot less, you know, at stake sometimes. You're like, even if this goes south, I have... A network of support right like i have people on the, all ready to go um came came out to them and we talked about it for like 15 minutes just kind of like you know a first question being like why followed up by like how long have you been thinking about this you know and the conversation was good with my parents um me very emotional my parents not emotional very much and then they just started shit on they were just like because okay, so we talked about 15 minutes and then they proceeded to lecture me on 30 minutes about the dangers of unionizing my coworkers. Because I was trying to start a union at my previous job. <laughs> just like, oh my God. Um, That's really funny. Okay, like enough of that. <laughs> the union thing. It's sindicato. And I'm like, no, no. I was like, this is low key, very anticlimactic. I wanted a little more drama and reception for me coming out. But all I got was. Okay, stop trying to unionize your coworkers, you fucker. Not the gays loving the drama. I was, I was like, bro, I felt this. No. My siblings were all like, they're not going to care. And in my mind, I was like, no, you're wrong. And I was like, how are you right? Uh, that's that's my family was the exact opposite. Yeah, I know. You're oh, oh, oh. Uh, I can't say much. They're yeah, very so- supportive still. They did the changes overnight. At least my. My parents have actually been more receptive at times than my sisters and my brother. My sister, my brother's not as involved, but I think he's just kind of like, you tell me what it is, I'm going to go with it. Like, I don't have any reason to like think otherwise. Maybe not like as a tune, but like also not. He's there. He's going with it. So like, uh, but what about? Yeah. So my brother was the most accepting and I absolutely love him for it. Um, you know, they still mess up. He still messes up, but it's, it's not in a way that hurts me. And he's not trying to hurt me. And I think that's the difference between him and the rest of my family. The rest of my family, they don't care what my pronouns are. My my name is now. They'll always call me. And like, I can't change that. And I've tried and I've given them time. And I literally, I can't change it. And, and like, I have a, my eldest sibling. It feels mm-hmm. like she's doing things on purpose to like hurt me. 
and like it, there's like this really malicious thing with how they they treat me my mom and I, it's just been like a whole process so i was outed and so that's mm. how i ended up coming out um i posted something on tumblr this is so every time i tell the story i'm like this is so like 20 this is such a 2014 story so i posted something on tumblr that like kind of like coming out no one my none of my family followed me on tumblr but i had a friend that reblogged it and that friend um my cousin was following her so um my cousin found out texted me and i was like please don't tell anyone like i'm begging you and he was like accept and he was like it doesn't matter who cares and then i get a call like a few months later and my mom like crying and she was like what are they talking about what are they talking about because he had told his sister and his sister used it as like a a way to attack my mom like saying like your kid is like this and then so mm-hmm. my mom was like ambushed by this information so she was reacting to all of this and i just like broke down and it was like such a bad time in my life I didn't talk to my mom for like two years, like super, super awful. Mm-hmm. Um, mom wasn't accepted of all. She called me a freak and all the fun stuff. Brother was the only one to be like, it's fine. Like, but my brother and I didn't talk. I felt awkward transitioning after a while and then going to see my family after transitioning. I felt like, I don't know, almost uncomfortable in my skin and embarrassed because of all this like shame they put on me. So even still today, I'm like, I carry this shame when I see them. Like, I don't know. It's it's it is weird because they they have such a hold on me. Every time I go back home, I feel like I'm I'm like, you know, sixteen again, and I'm just being like doing what they said and like keeping my head down. And like I hate that grasp they have on me. But you know, my mom and I's relationship is like rough. Like and like we talk every day, pretty much, or every other day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love talking with her. It's nice to have that support. So we're in talking terms now. But like we just don't really talk about my gender, and so that's kind of like how it is. And mm-hmm. um, but yeah, my dad was the one that was shockingly accepting. I have a whole video on YouTube about it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we he was distant in my life, so it didn't really matter to me when he felt. And so my younger sisters were also accepting. They're Gen Z in a different mm-hmm. generation. Really great. Like I had like white queer people in my life. Um, queer and trans people that were like fuck them like you don't need them like and had experiences with their family that they just cut ties with um even as of recently i had like i have someone in my life that i feel like i mean i'm not one to criticize anyone's experience or privilege or anything like that but it seemed like they grew up in a very like you know privileged way and um were very like you know fuck my family type thing and everyone has their own beef you know everyone's experiences are their own and they were like, you don't need your family. And it's like, well, this is so complicated. And I, like, it, it always frustrated me when people told me to do that, told me not to uh, have my family in my life. And it was something that hurt me so bad, not being able to speak with my mother for like the first like, uh, year and a half of my transition. It was something that like, that like overnight I lost and it hurt me so bad. And I didn't really realize it until like a little while that like, Family means everything to me. And um, you can't, and especially with like, especially I feel like our community, um, mm-hmm. I was I was in a panel, like a like a, a Latino panel, like a queer type of mm-hmm. environment. And we were talking about family acceptance and how, you know, you can't expect your family to change their mindset. 
and you can't expect them to like, especially overnight. Um, and you know, they might not ever change their feelings, but doesn't mean you should cut them out of your life. You shouldn't actively work for it. And then I think that's when it clicked to me, like, yeah, I don't want to lose my parents, you know? And if I have to like, like every now and then hear them say my wrong name or disrespect me in a way, maybe people don't agree with me, but like my family is like, like growing up, like we were like all so close. Like, mm-hmm. so I, I do agree with you in that aspect where, I mean, yeah, I, I it's kind of an impossible thing to like, I, I kept thinking in my head whenever I transitioned, like, I don't want my mom, something bad happened to my mom. And for me to have not been able to like, have like a mended relationship. And I remember having like a queer friend in my life, someone, uh, a non-binary person that was like, who cares? Like, fuck them. Like, and like, I just remember hearing that and being like, and like, they were saying they don't feel that way about their parent. And I'm like, how, how do you like, how do you not like see that? And also how disrespectful to like, tell me what I should do when like, you have no idea of the family relationships and what it means to have family, especially as a marginalized community. So, or in a marginalized community. And yeah, so I agree with you. Um, I had the same experience. I, my family isn't something I'm willing to lose. Um, I just have to like work around it, navigate it in an awkward way. But like my mom came to my college graduation having to clap for my chosen name. Like I'm, if anything, like I'm winning. Is this what you won? I mean, no, I mean, and again, I will just emphasize this so no one thinks I'm a terrible person because I do still believe this. I don't know. Some people do need to cut ties a hundred percent, like do that, move on, like never contact again, like fully support that if that's appropriate. I think it's the on the weird unacceptance or like you said, like pushback of wanting to keep complex figures in your fan in your in your life. They're like, why would you do that? And I'm like, see, this is why I hate this is why I hate y'all sometimes because people are complicated. <laughs> people are complicated in so many ways that it's hard to to draw the line at some point when it's like, for example, like um, it was on Twitter. I forget this grad student was talking about how this like they had two advisors. One of them, God, I forget this Twitter thread. If, they ever, if you ever hear this podcast, just know that you're an icon, whoever you are, this trans grad student out there. One of the advisors was like queer and I think was like very supportive on paper, but then was like, no, your finals are still going to be around your surgery time. Like whatever. And this other advisor who like misgendered them half the time, like didn't know what was going on, but just really cared for them was like, no, we're going to extend your healthcare. We're going to rearrange everything. Like, no. I was like, see, that's the icon in some ways. Like the one that was like, I don't really get what's going on all the time. Maybe I'm not the best about things, but I'll go to bat for you when it comes near to. Yeah. And like, and like you, like people are multifaceted and it's not just black and white. And, um, and my mom, you know, might be the worst. And like, you know, my mom may have disowned me in a lot of ways. And to people, it might be like, like, like completely like, how could you ever like talk with her? But it's like, because I know at the core, my mom cares for me deeply. And maybe through this hate, that's like a way of expressing her love to me. And like, it's an odd form of love, but it's still love. And it's something that I don't want to lose. And I don't want to like, have to like, let it 
completely out of my life. We're able to have great conversations. She calls me about politics stuff. Like she's the only one in her family that isn't like a super crazy. Don't even get me started on like Latinos that like support Trump or Republicans because like it's it's crazy to me. But my mom's the only one that's like is fully supportive of like more like ideologies that I mean, not super supportive of like how left I am, but like she's more left than I would have expected her to be considering everything. But like, I don't know. So, I mean, I know my mom at, at, at her core through her like hatefulness. Like I know that there's, there's good in her that like, that comes out of caring for a child. So it definitely is like a, there's this the dynamic that like that everyone, you know, people are multifaceted and it's like a case by case type thing. But I, I do think it's a little much when people say like, fuck them, cut them out of your life. And it's like, you don't know what family means to me. And like, like mm-hmm. I had no one for a really long time and I, and like, I really missed having like my mom to just call, mm-hmm. but yeah. Uh, so <laughs> we've talked about a bunch today and I'm super happy. We, we were able to get to a lot and I'm super thankful to have you on and kind of like talk about a lot of, of these incredible things we both have experienced and gone through together. And um, I absolutely want to keep in touch more and I promise to make more of an effort and, and definitely want to, um, yeah, we, I need to, I need to see you again soon. Like it, we we'll have to have like our it. trans reun, like reuniting yeah. and like have our cute pictures together and like truly like, and you know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. Just, uh, just where the, we, let's, you're in <laughs> Washington. Yeah, I'm in a little outside Seattle. So if you're ever in the Seattle area. I have some PTO. Uh, I work remotely some days. I'm just mosey on over there. Yeah, I, I, just, I just got an Alaskan Airlines credit card. So Did you? Yeah, I well I um prices are so expensive, so like ticket prices, so I felt like I should get a travel credit card. And I also I'm wanted sorry. something to, I need a passport. So I I got a credit card for, to get a passport. Because I need to make sure I have my shit, like my legal documents that say like the F on my passport. So if any person tries to change shit, at least I'm good on my passport for the next however many years, 10 years or something till they expire. Yes, Olivia. But These prices are disgusting. Yeah. It's it's not the best, but. Why is it so expensive to get to Seattle? (laughs) One day, I promise it'll happen. Okay. We love gonna... we love companies price gouging the price of gas and, and making it incredibly incredibly difficult to travel. We love that. Love capitalism. Okay. Don't you worry. I'm gonna do the little. My God. Don't worry. I already have an idea of how I'm gonna make this happen. Just 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 know that you might get a message from me randomly. <laughs> like, I'm coming Tuesday. Okay. Just just know. <laughs> just like yeah. Okay. Definitely. Uh, I'll make Tuesday. time for you for sure. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I might book to schedule. But yeah, thank you again so much for being on. I really appreciate it. And I absolutely love you and I'm obsessed with you. And I'm super thankful to have had this conversation. So with that thank being you said, for having me. thank you everyone also obsessed for obsessed with you. Yeah. Stan Olivia and the yeah. podcast. <laughs> I have no social Thanks. media crush on social media, um, but do not follow me on social media. I would like to never be known to the world. And I will make sure of that. I thank will, you. I, if you follow like Artie anyway i'll destroy you thank you thank you so much for protecting me olivia (laughs) you're welcome Um, okay but yeah everyone thanks for watching and um, i guess we'll see you in the next one bye